Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. What's up, guys? It's Coach Krista coming at you with the latest episode of The Fix. And today we are linking up with owner of What the Fuck Gym Talk, my friend Stu Brower. Stu is a lot of things. He is a fitness business consultant, a content creator, and the owner of Urban Movement, which is a micro gym currently located in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's actually in the process of licensing the model to expand the brand's footprint across the U.S., Busy dude who wears a ton of hats, but I think across the board and hope he would agree that to sum up who he is, is really an educator. This dude is well-respected in the fitness industry and he 100% deserves all of the accolades and all of the kudos because he truly provides coaching and free content that's useful and actionable, but more importantly, without any bullshit. As you'll hear on today's episode, he truly has no filter, and I know that's why we jammed and vibed so well as we talked through this entire thing. I think we went into it assuming that it would take about an hour, as my episodes roughly do, and we sat together for almost two and honestly could have kept talking. So normally at this point, I would kick it over to my guest and give them the floor, and I'll do that in just a few moments, but I wanted to take things in a little bit of a different direction today. I have a really deep content calendar when it comes to my podcast. So usually by the time that my episode that's been recorded is actually launched and live for the rest of you to hear, it might have been six, seven weeks or sometimes even a few months from the date in which we actually sat down to do it and set everything up. So sometimes in that amount of time, as should be no surprise when a few weeks or months go by, things happen in people's lives and those events might be relevant to our conversation. If you don't already follow Stu, I wanted to take the opportunity before you hear from him to share about a situation, his response to it, and really just use it as a chance to contextualize who he is and the type of value that he brings and you can expect from working with him or even just simply interacting with him on social media. He isn't going to hear this intro until it goes live. So Stu, as you're listening to this, I hope that I'm simultaneously making you proud by taking this situation that you faced, like you, as an opportunity to educate the audience, learn from it yourself, and then just keep moving forward. So here it is. Stu and I sat down to record this episode in his studio at Urban Movement in Charlotte. I want to say it was like February 11th, sometime at the beginning of February, so a little over a month ago. And as a little pre-show banter, I asked Stu what content he was working on, what new projects he was excited about, and we started having a conversation about some of the work he was doing on YouTube. He had this new plan. He was going to be going all in, as he said, on his YouTube channel with a new long-form style podcast. I kind of equated it to like a Joe Rogan vibe, but the way he was approaching it was by taking clips from these interviews he had that were like two plus hours long. And then breaking them down into more digestible 10 to 15 minute content clips with really specific topics as the focus. And then he planned to post them as a new video every single day on the channel and kind of drip them out over the course of a month. So we fast forward four weeks later to the beginning of March and we come to find out that this plan had a bit of a consequence to it. 
as Stu calls it, it was a true what the fuck moment. For whatever reason, the robots and algorithms that are YouTube and social media platforms, Stu's scheduled content efforts were interpreted as spam. So he had set up a bunch of different videos that he would be releasing every single day over the course of the next 30 days. He had interviewed fitness YouTuber and another charlatan, Sydney Cummings. And for whatever reason, YouTube decided that his work was spam. So he got a notification that his account was suspended. He then took the opportunity to appeal to YouTube and explain the details of the account, what his goals were. And unfortunately, the channel wasn't restored. So even more context here. The guy has been on YouTube and producing content for over six years. We're talking 600 plus videos that are now gone. Thankfully, they are backed up elsewhere. And it's not like he's lost the content forever. But you don't need to be a professional content creator or really have any kind of presence yourself on social media to understand just how tedious the work that he now has to do to reconfigure that sounds. I mean, think about it. He's going to be sitting there uploading thumbnails, editing descriptions, repackaging things the way he wants them to be packaged. And it's going to be a lot of work. I think he actually mentioned in a video that I watched in response to the situation that it could take like posting over three to four videos a day just to get the content pushed out over the course of a year. So hats off to Stu for putting his head down and doing the work. But I want to bring light to the situation to two things. The first is why YouTube is important. And the second is how Stu responded to what happened. So for those of you who are listening to this and don't really have a background in the world of social media or marketing or using any online platform as a way to promote your business, you might not know too much about the way people who are building online brands look at YouTube. So here it is. When you are thinking about where you want all of your stuff to sit, all of your stuff, meaning all of your content, you want to think about the different ways that you can reach as many different people as possible. So when it comes to something like YouTube, having subscribers, having eyeballs on your page, posting consistent content or, you know, just presence out there, it's a way to drive people to your business. The same way Instagram is, the same way Facebook is, the same way your website is. But here's the kicker when it comes to YouTube. YouTube is owned by our friends at Google. So that means that your presence on YouTube is directly tied to just how searchable you are and really the visibility that you have of your brand online because who doesn't go to Google to search for shit? So even though Stu's content lives a lot of other places, losing his YouTube channel was a big hit for really specific topic-based inquiries. Like for example, a struggling gym owner, they might go on Google and be like, what can I do? to drive additional revenue in my gym or how can I best pivot my gym's offerings, functionality, et cetera, in the context of COVID? Well, with the brand and presence that Stu had built previously on his platform, he would have been one of the first people to show up right at the top of that search inquiry. So basically, for Stu, while YouTube isn't a direct monetization platform, it is indirect in the sense that the content that he puts there then is a gateway for people to interact with him through other resources online and ultimately, hopefully, consider hiring him as a business coach. So by now, you're probably thinking in your head, if I've done a good job in painting this picture, damn, that really fucking sucks. 
He lost a bunch of content that he's worked hard to put together over the past six years. And now he's got to go back in and revive a lot of those numbers, those subscribers, all of the things that help him build his presence back up. But if you know Stu, you know that he's not the guy who's going to sit there and bitch and moan and complain about anything. And I wanted to have him on my show, honestly, for this exact reason, because I personally benefit from so much of his content on a regular basis and just his can-do attitude, his shit's hard, but guess what? This is what we signed up for. He's the type of person who truly does put his head down and do the work and his success and track record in the fitness industry and in business in general speaks to that. As he says, perfectly in response to the situation I highly recommend you guys go check out the first video that he posted to kind of walk through what happened life isn't fair and shit fucking happens so what did Stu do he found a learning opportunity like I said he posted a video roughly 12 minutes or so as the first video back on the channel explaining what the fuck happened to what the fuck gym talk and he took it a step further by pointing out the fact that in a lot of ways, the loss of that content and the loss of the channel was a silver lining. As you'll learn from Stu in this episode, he is like just a pro when it comes to this idea of looking at the macro picture or what he likes to call quote unquote zooming out and really analyzing a situation. We talk about it a couple of times in our conversation and he actually attributes so much of his business success to this skill and his ability to really like pull away from what's happening and see the bigger picture. So how did he look at it? He asked himself, am I completely ruined by losing six years of content? Stu says no shot. Instead, he just got the chance to test and increase his resilience, his tenacity, and his ability to get through some tough times. I mean, as Stu points out, (laughs) that is the fact of the matter that If you sign up to be an entrepreneur, you better sign up to be testing your resilience and your tenacity. If you're not built for that, then I'm not sure that you're in the right business of owning a business. So all that said, Stu's entire response to this situation is a great reminder on just mindset. Whether you're a content creator, a fitness professional, a gym owner, an entrepreneur, or even none of the above, everybody should take time to step back from any shitty situation that you go through. You guys know that I spent a lot of time talking about my experience and my personal relationships over the course of the past few years and how in the moment it was super hard for me to step back from that shitty situation. But as I've healed from it and moved further and further away from it, I've learned how to re-enter it with this attitude of gratitude. Shit's not happening to you, it's happening for you. But the only way you can believe that is if you constantly wear those glasses and have that lens. So with that, let's kick it over to Stu and roll right into the episode. So uh, found fitness at an early age, being a 145 pound soaking wet kid and wanting to try to get laid and play varsity lacrosse, you get into the weight room. That took me to college, got my degree in exercise phys. And when I was in college, I took a fifth year, like the party in college. So, but it was early on, I got this hot stock tip and it was, hey, you need to check out this thing called CrossFit. And this is 2005, 2006, So it wasn't, it didn't have the the speed. No, it was just just like, what is this? But I Mm -hmm. saw it and nobody else was really on it at scale like it is today. And so I 
ran with that. I even got accepted into a master's program for exercise physiology. I ditched that to move to Nashville, Tennessee, wow. start, start working for a CrossFit affiliate out there. Okay. Great opportunity, but I knew I was limited. I didn't know anything about business. I'd never taken a business okay. class in my life, but I had Did spent- Did they have like the whole CrossFit certification process for coaches at the time or Correct, was it that yeah. early? That was they so, did. Yeah, you okay. had to take your okay. level one in order okay. to even open up a CrossFit affiliate. Right. You have there to were take a lot this two-day yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked for this guy. It was for $600 a month. I lived in a shithole apartment. I had to sell every guitar I owned and all my worldly possessions to even afford my first month of this mm-hmm. apartment post-school. And really quickly, I realized I didn't know business. So I went and got a job with a local Globo gym, a Gold's Gym uh, sure. you know, subsidiary. That launched me into a, a, a really cool, interesting career in the Globo Gym world, which ultimately brought me out here to Charlotte, North Carolina. I was the VP of personal training for a company. I was overseeing all their clubs in Kentucky okay. and Charlotte. That gave me my, Ops. my yeah, it gave me my business acumen. Like I, I, I knew fitness, I knew strength and conditioning. I, I've been studying fitness since sure. I was fifteen. That gave me the business chops. I would have expected you to say that you were one of the people like myself who went to school for something unrelated Related. to fitness because of how much knowledge sure. you have. Well, yeah. I, so it was, it was exercise phys and a sociology major. And okay. uh, but so I'm there. I'm doing the Globo Gym thing. But this entrepreneurial itch I always had, I read the book, uh, it's probably still up here somewhere, uh, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, and okay. he talks in that book about the entrepreneurial seizure, that moment when you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. I don't know yeah. when I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And I, highlight- <laughs> I had mine like six months ago. Yeah, I highlighted it in the book. I put the date that I read it, and okay. I kept that book. And so I started a company called ESC Mobile Fitness. I partnered with local uh, apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. That did really well. That Especially grew. in Charlotte. And yes, in Charlotte, yeah. that blew and up. And you were right at the, what year was that? 2010. So nine, for ten, context, nine. if someone's listening to this and has not been to Charlotte or hasn't seen the explosion of growth, yeah. you were there when this whole idea of like, let's build these mega apartment complexes with 400 units. And then instead of encouraging people to go to a boutique fitness studio, we'll put a decent gym in Correct. the bottom. That was yeah. it. So I contracted yeah. trainers through there. That worked out really well. That moved into an, uh, an outdoor boot camp that did very well. Okay. That moved into my first brick and mortar that later became CrossFit South End. Okay. And then I rode that to an even larger 7,100 square foot facility. We were there for eight, nine years. And then at some point around 2014, 2015, I had this kind of epiphany. I, I no longer vied with the, the, the status quo CrossFit mm-hmm. brand. I wanted to create something new. I had done very well business-wise, so I bought the building that we're sitting in right now. And I said, I'm Which was cr- a great investment. It was a great investment. And I said, I'm going to create a new model, something that Orange Theory had just really popped at the time. Okay. Something in between CrossFit and Orange Theory. Sure. I believe there's white More space. More strength training than an OTF vibe. Correct. Um, but not as intimidating and no offense, but douchey as maybe a CrossFit sure. vibe. And um, yeah, so I, I created Urban Movement. We've, we did that and uh, we moved in here in April uh, 1st, 2017. Mm-hmm. And then here at the end of uh, 2019 or 2020, we just launched our license model. So now we're licensing out the brand of Urban Movement and we'll be opening up locations. Uh, we have applications in from Columbus, Ohio, and D.C., and Raleigh, and Charlottesville, and, and a handful of other states. So really excited about that. And then in a simultaneous track, 2015, I start, I pick up an iPhone, I hit record, and I start uh, making videos just talking shit about what I did to grow my <laughs> business and, and the things I saw and these what-the-fuck moments I had as a yeah. business owner. Is that how you got the name? That Yeah, I thought about it. I just, because I, you know, Isaac and me shared a shithole little office for years. Isaac's mm-hmm. my general manager, and uh, I would just have these what-the-fuck moments, like any business owner has on a regular basis. And so I just started documenting my process to pr- going through those what-the-fuck moments right. in the fitness industry, okay. and uh, that became my full 
full-time job in around 2015, I started consulting with other gyms, mm-hmm. creating content, uh, content partnerships, and, and that's been the full-time job. So I've got that WTF is my, my gig. And then I have an amazing team here at Urban Movement that's helped me grow it through a license model. That's fantastic. I have so many questions just out Let's of that. Do it. So plenty, plenty to work with for the rest of the show. But before we do, as I mentioned, before we hit the record button, I yeah. ask everybody, what's your go-to coffee order you a caffeine guy i'm a caffeine guy okay so uh first thing in the morning it's just going to be a standard drip or pour over you make uh, it at home or you go uh, yeah I'll, yeah i'll go and make it over during, i learned how to do pour over with my chemex during the covid nice. like that was my like pandemic one of my pandemic my projects yep yeah pandemic projects yep with like a little it. bit of almond milk but nice. if it's like that four o'clock coffee where i'm exhausted i need, need a red eye. i go red eye Okay. Yep. I'm a big espresso drinker right. myself. But okay, so let's start. I'm going to jump around a little bit. You had a very seemingly steady path in terms of like finding the next job that led to the next promotion, which I think can be hard in this world. I think a lot of trainers can get stuck where they become a coach and then it's kind of like, well, it seems like my only other option right now is to own something and I'm not in a position to do that because I can't afford it. Sure. Um, how did your realization that you needed more business acumen really play into that? Because from what I heard from what you just said, I think the decision for you to take more of the Globo Gym job really changed a lot of what you wound up doing. I, I attributed to, it was like going to business boot camp for two and a half sure. years. And it, it gave me, it, it's why I was able to show up in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean this in a super cocky way. I opened up the smallest CrossFit affiliate in Charlotte, North Carolina, 1,800 square feet. Okay. And wow, that's tiny. Within two years, gym. we had one of the largest. And again, while CrossFit is an affiliate license model, mm-hmm. so there's no shared numbers, I would have bet we probably had one of the larger membership bases and, and our profit margin was very healthy. We grew a great business. And I give all the credit of that to the mentors and the people I had in the global gym world. Okay. Um, I, I would say someone looking to come out with fitness, you, you have a couple paths you take. And, and most people in college level, they're like, well, I'm going to go be maybe be a strength and conditioning coach. Exactly. You're just, that's what Especially I want. Especially if they did the traditional route of like majoring in exercise, Fizz. physiology, any kind. Yeah, of you course. Know? So it, I think you do that route. You just understand you're going to move around a lot. You, the mm-hmm. second the head coach gets hacked, you're gone as well. Right. And it, it's just a tumultuous kind of gig. And yeah. athletes, especially high level ones, when you actually get to start working mm-hmm. with them, are the hardest to train. They're I'm sure. li- and your job is no longer fun because your job is no longer actually to make high level athletes faster, bigger, stronger. That's not it's your just job. Just keep them healthy. Like, don't be get them injured. To play. Yes. Right. Don't get them injured. So yeah. now you're kind of, you don't get that excitement like in your head, like, I'm going to create this amazing program mm-hmm. to get his vert higher. Like, no, you're not. Just make sure this fucker <laughs> doesn't get hurt. So, like, you have that route. The second route is go commercial gym where then you have what I call the chicken or the egg. They're like, hey, yep. you have a certification? I'm like, I sure do. They're like, cool. Do you have any experience? They're like, well, no, I, ju- no. I just got the certification. Like, oh, right. well, you can't work here. Not until you have the experience. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, but that's why I want this job. Right. So Where I can get I the experience. So like, well, yeah. so you have this chicken or the egg issue, which takes you down the commercial route. And you got to, if you look the parts, you've got a better chance. Mm-hmm. If you can sell, you have an amazing chance. And you can make really good money in the commercial realm if you're comfortable walking up to Sally. In a box gym. In a box yeah. gym, walking up to Sally, who's doing uh, a Romanian deadlift all jacked up and, and have the balls to tap her on the shoulder or whatever you do in a COVID world, right. get her to take out her AirPods and listen to you pitch her as to why you can show her how to do, do that better, better and then mm-hmm. sell her on a $900 a month traditional training right. package that you will see 15% of in commission. Um, Is that where you started? Yes. And, okay. Floor pulling. They'd put okay. me, I'd be like, where's my clients? They're like, they're all out there. I'm like, yeah, you gotta be fun. kidding me. Go get yeah. them. 
And that was me interrupting people on treadmills and abduction machines and all this other shit and getting them to buy personal training. Did you me. have the personality 100%. that you have today? Yes. Okay. So, so you were suited for yes, that. Yes. I could, if, if I can make you laugh, I can make some good eye contact okay. and we get on a conversation outside of fitness, I swear I could probably close you okay. by the time of the end of so the So for you, do you think that was an innate yes. skill that you had? I. I, I think bullshitting my way out of trouble as a kid, that was <laughs> taught you that, that. That taught me that. Makes sense. And then there's the middle. So we have the strength and conditioning, commercial gym, and then the middle is you go out on your own and you do the entrepreneur mm-hmm. thing. You start training your aunt and your mom and their three friends, yep. and then that grows into a following at the park, and then it turns into a brick and mortar, and then you're on your way to small business America. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah, that's essentially it. I would recommend for any of those kids, I would tell you that uh, I think – the commercial thing obviously has some great learning lessons. If right. you don't, if you don't know how to sell and it's not an That's innate skill, I think you 100%. go there. That's why I asked you that question yeah. because I wouldn't have been surprised if you said you didn't have the personality and it forced you to have it. You it, know what just, I mean? Yeah. And if you I'm don't sure have you it, fine tune the skill. Sure. If you don't have it, they'll pull it out of you. Like you'll, right. or you'll get fired and hazed yeah, really or, bad. Or you won't make any money. Correct. Period. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but that middle ground, that, that entrepreneur route is where a lot of people are going. It's very, cro- what we call it's very crowded at the bottom. Yeah. And, um, but if you have the right chops and you have something, you have a unique belief in fitness and you can deliver something, it's there. I just, I don't feel like the pamphlets, and this is hypothetical, I don't think the pamphlets they give us on career day to be a gym owner really tell the full story. Most mm-hmm. people don't actually understand the ceiling you have unless you can hit a certain scale and you right. commit to doing a few things that probably at your genesis and your, what I call like your honeymoon period with being a small business owner, right. you'd be like, no, I'll, I'll never do that. I love my clients. I'm like, I get it. But here's the deal. If you love your clients, this is what the life looks like. Or you can love your clients, but love your business more. Right. And this is and what you're, you're going to have to make some sacrifices that people might not like. Correct. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head in where it becomes a crossroads. If you are someone who like myself, you know, I left corporate America that's how I got my background and I have a degree in journalism. So I always appreciated talking to people and I always had a side job doing some fitness related thing. And then I was just a client at a burn location. They thought I was fit. They thought I was friendly. Hey, do you want to train? So for me, my story is a little different in that I didn't go get the certification and like say, hey, I want to work here. Yep. It was kind of like, oh, hey, you should get this certification because we see something in you. Yes. And I think that happens just as frequently All as- All the time. Right? I would say even more so. I'd say the For majority sure. of small business owners in the fitness industry did Use not it. academically go no. that route. And your model is a high volume model at Burn mm-hmm. Bootcamp. It's what like me and other guys in the industry will refer to as burnout bootcamp because instructors yeah. will get absolutely crushed. So I trained an average of 30 classes a week. Yeah. For over a year. Probably with between 35 and 50 people per class. Mm -hmm. Sometimes on a Saturday, like I I jokingly say this all the time, probably broke fire code because the classes were free. I had multiple weekends where I was training 100 people at a time. My workouts had to be so dumbed down because I just didn't want people to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, I wanted them to have enough space to exercise. Crazy to think about now because we wouldn't even be allowed to do something like that with COVID. You guys have that kind of bounciest lower floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I learned so much on how to run a business and how not to run a business. And that's really when I started to think long and hard of whether I wanted to be a part of a franchise model, period. So you thought for a minute, hot minute, you wanted to open one? Yeah. Why didn't you go that route? What stopped you? Because at the end of the day, what I realized in going through the whole process was that as a company, there was so much emphasis on like, you're a mom. All you do is do everything for everyone else. You don't take care of yourself. 
you're trying to juggle like managing your household, managing your own job, you know, getting your kids in the car just for you to get to the gym might be a struggle. So at least when you come to work out, you get 45 minutes that are just for you. And I sat back and I was like, that's really funny because I can't tell you the last time I had 45 minutes just for me. Sure. And I'm the person that's supposed to be like eat, sleep, breathe this brand. And what it takes to like encourage that environment for someone else is me taking every like last ounce of energy that burnout I have. So burnout. Camp. Exactly. Burnout so I got super burnt out. Yeah. When you're young, you'll work hard. You don't work smart. And then as exactly. you get older, you work smarter. Yeah. You still work hard, but you, right. your way, your, your experience allows you to double or triple mm-hmm. your output with less in-person time. So on totally. and so forth. And I just felt like I'm like, how am I, there's no way for me to do like, I can't do this remotely. There, there was no other, I wasn't really excited about the idea of being an online fitness coach. So I just didn't know what to do. You mentioned that you went to, you had part of your degree was in sociology. Correct. How do you think any of what you learned from that has played into what you've built and done in the last several years? What have I'm, you thought about that before? I, I have. I had an amazing teacher. Her name was Sandra Schroer. And she, uh, I think what sociology allowed me to do was I do very well at zooming out. Okay. So even things very tragic. So dad dies when I'm 16. That's a very intimate thing. I can zoom out. I can see all the instances that led up to that death. Mm-hmm. And I can I can digest it better instead of being right up against it. I get divorced. I'm able to zoom out and I'm able to see, oh, it actually makes sense. Like if I was watching this on TV, I would predict the ending. That that and, was going to so, have happened. Correct. In sociology, I mean, it opened me up to a world of feminism and different mm-hmm. viewpoints and theories that the entire premise of sociology is looking at things at, at you know, uh, the sum being the whole sure. kind of saying looking back. So it's not a bike. It's all these other parts that make a bike. Yeah. And, and I so, see it as like yeah. logic mixed with psychology. Yeah. I would, I would agree right? with that hundred percent. And so I would say that, uh, that reasoning and that ability I have. So when something happens, like if I get, like I was used, I remember I got pulled up my first speeding ticket ever. Mm-hmm. My buddies were in the car like, dude, you're not pissed. I'm like, do you know how many times, like, it's cops, one, me, 462. It was bound to happen. Yeah, you know how many times I've sped yeah. and not gotten a ticket? So, no, I'm not upset. It's totally par for the course. And they're like, I'd be so pissed. I'm like, because you just get too close to it. You need mm-hmm. to zoom out and understand that this is actually not the worst outcome to this scenario. Would you say that that ability is one of your greatest assets as a business owner? Because I would, because you're able to separate your emotion from the decisions that you make. I, I do. I, you know, I've got future, there'll be future decisions we make here with either the the real estate company mm-hmm. or, and this building and then sure. urban movement, the Charlotte location that up close, there'll be people that maybe don't like those decisions. And then, but if you zoom out, you're like, oh, well, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. So I, hundred percent, I do, because I think business owners, they get involved because they have a passion for something. You yes. love helping people. You like totally. working with people. And then there's, it's a certain, like not even about the fitness. Correct. It's like that. I like people. Yes. And, but yeah. it's just because you're passionate about something right. doesn't mean you should actually charge money and do it for a living exactly. and open a business. Mm-hmm. People who should open up businesses are individuals who can take their passion, develop a tech technical skill set that they're really good at teach that technical skill set to other other individuals and then be able to zoom out and realize the baby is not their clients Mm -mm. and I tell people all the time no offense fuck your clients your clients (laughs) I do get that your clients pay the bills and they're amazing humans you will go in and out of their lives and they'll come in and out of yours. Right. It's, it's transactional. It's like, no, my clients are like my best friend. And it's also, it's a technician who misrepresents the relationship. When the, when the customer comes into the bake shop, the coffee shop, mm-hmm. the gym, they didn't come in looking for a friend. They came in looking for a transactional right. a product or service. The so the root of your relationship is mm-hmm. always going to be transactional. And then it's generally one or the other, maybe sometimes both, the customer.
customer and the provider of the service or product develop a secondary relationship on top. They're friends. They hang out on the weekends. Their right. kids play together. Sure. And now it's b- messy and blended. Which came right. first, the chicken or the egg? And it always needs to go back to its, your uh, obligation is always to treat the relationship as transactional. Mm-hmm. And then if you have moments uh, and flares of sociality, you know, to hanging out with people and doing all that stuff and you go to weddings with them or your right. brothers start hanging out together, like whatever yeah. the fuck that happens, that's great. But at the base of it, it's always transactional. It's the gym owner mm-hmm. who when they get someone cancels the gym, they get so They butthurt. get butthurt. They get yes. so like, And that's what I saw every month. And I will say, that's what made me nervous to ever want to open my own gym. Because I would be like, some. I would have someone on my team text me and be like, oh my God, so-and-so canceled. What happened? Because I was the one managing the relationship. So I knew. Sure. And it was like, She's moving. Yeah, like yeah. it wasn't a it wasn't and a big even deal. So, let's say she wasn't moving. She yeah. just wants to try something right. new. Like who gives a shit? Right. It's, it's be you more, can't control where people park their car. Correct. Be emotional about the member, not the membership. One mm-hmm. thing I, when we rebranded from a CrossFit gym to Urban Movement, we lost a lot of money, a lot okay. of clients. And uh, I remember being at the airport. I had a videographer. He was going out. Was of, that a what the fuck moment for you? Uh, or you, you no, knew no, it was no, going to come. Knew that was coming. Yeah, it, you that, have to. And that's really like your. That's that social. Yeah. Theology piece like yeah. I'm sure in the moment when you made that decision you put on that hat of like I can see the macro right now and I know this is a good idea most businesses I coach and rebranding their, their mm-hmm. biggest scare is like well I don't want to lose anybody like, if you don't lose anybody you're not rebranding if they stay then you haven't actually changed that's actually my, a good point my best never can- thought about it like my that. best cancellation reason was mm-hmm. I'm leaving I'm like well why it's not CrossFit anymore I'd be like yes Yes, I'm doing it. I'm you, getting away from the this. Message, pr- yes. Your message was working. It's working. Yeah. I, I don't want to be CrossFit okay. anymore. I want to be Urban right. Movement. So if people are leaving saying this isn't CrossFit anymore, I'm getting closer to my end sure. goal. You have to shed some of that old skin. But I tell people, you got to be you know, emotional about the member, not the membership. But we invited all those individuals. Mm-hmm. I, I sent individual like video messages sitting yeah. at the airport to every single person who canceled saying, I get it. I understand. I know I changed mm-hmm. things on you. I, I, I got a couple of gyms I'd recommend. But our Christmas party is coming up, and I would love for you to be there. there regardless. And I'd say like 70% of the people came. We all hung out. We got hammered. It was just a great time. And it just, it was super cool because then when I see those customers out mm-hmm. in public, because as a gym owner or trainer, if you see an ex-client out, they're like, oh, my God, it's awkward. I'm like, it's not awkward. No. Like, I literally hang out with these people. I don't care that right. they're not paying me money mm-hmm. anymore. Who gives a shit? Be emotional about the member, the human right. being, not their membership. But why do you think, so for me, I find this conversation very refreshing because I don't think a lot of people like can wrap their heads around that. And I keep having a lot of conversations with other fitness coaches who are now trying to go off and do their own thing. Or like, you know, I do a little business coaching where I'm trying to help people grow their social media to what I've been able to do. They're like, Hey, how did you do that? I'm like, I can help you. Sure. And we talk a lot about this like idea of like being very protective of your product. And I think that ties into like this whole butthurt idea, right? Cause you're like, how could that person go to the gym two doors down? Like look, look at park road. There's a burn on the corner. There's now an F 45. And then you have other things over there like that are fitness related. Just open up a park road shopping center. That is all in a three second walk. Yes. I can bet you money. Clients bounce around. A hundred percent. But I can also bet you money that the people with the existing businesses that have been there the longest on that street are freaking the fuck out. To an extent, I get it because you're like, okay, I built this thing and I want to protect it. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, I welcome the fact that you're coming to this street because that means this is a good neighborhood. And that means people are 
in this area and circulating around and they may drive by and just pick me. Why do you think people can't adopt that mentality? And they're like, so like, oh, keep my stuff, keep my stuff. When at the end of the day, a burpee's a burpee. Like I had one of the best things I learned from learning how to train in the same style that some of my mentors did. One of them told me this and I'll never forget it. He always said to me, he was like, you're not selling programming here. He was like, there's nothing sexy about this workout. Nothing. You could go somewhere else and do a bunch of mountain climbers, bunch of burpees, hit some bicep curls and get decent results. In fairness, I also think like there's certain aspects that with a boot camp style can breed injury and that's a whole other topic. But he was like, you're selling the experience of other features of the gym that will make the person sign the membership. So if you can keep that in mind, you're going to be good. But then at the same time, there were other people within that same organization who were like, oh my God, something's opening down the street and it's going to choke our business. Yeah. So How do you get over that? So I, I don't, th- I think. Because I'm sure you coach people on that, correct. right? So I, I probably had that. I think it happens um, when somebody is in certain scenarios. Uh, there are studio owners and franchise models that uh, their financial um, take home is directly impacted on that highs mm-hmm. and lows. That just like any business, okay, like owner. a high volume correct, type correct model. model. Okay, correct. but for a like when I was a small time micro gym owner mm-hmm. and I only had let's say seventy clients, sure, th- that number I would have been way more scared with. You okay. scale up to like two hundred and fifty or above, and I'm like, well, yeah, you're gonna cancel. And I know we used to be cool as fuck. You've been mm-hmm. here for six months. But literally, I've got four consults today. I'm going to replace you. In and five you, minutes. I don't yeah. look at people as a number. Mm-hmm. However, I do understand the transactional, the nature that people come through. I think it's also there becomes this thing, this level of maturity. That's why I really like true business-minded individuals in the micro gym industry, mm-hmm. not I found fitness, I found love with fitness, I coach fitness, I took a weekend cert and became a fitness professional, and now my members are my friends. Like, when I hear yeah. someone say the community is everything, right. I'm like, bro. That's one of the best lessons that I've taken from your podcasts, because a lot of the organizations that I've worked at use um, one of their value props as community, and you said it so well, you were like, everyone fucking has community. Yeah. It just looks different. Do you know what Namble is? North American Male Boy Lovers Association of America. It is a group of men who proudly pronounce their ability to fuck little boys. They have an what? amazing community. It's called Nambla. That's that a community. Exists. That's horrible. There's, First of all. There's, but it's a community. It's a community. It's a community. Culture is what you should focus on. Right. Not community. Mm-hmm. Community is just an organization, is just a group it's of like people. It's like literally people combined in one place. Correct. But Congregating. Co- correct. But those people come and go transactionally. Mm-hmm. They will die. They will move. They'll get new jobs. They'll mm-hmm. find other fitness pursuits. So the people move in and out. What makes it special is the culture. Because a culture said when someone comes in that doesn't think like-minded like everyone else, that culture suffocates that person out. There are people that have joined Urban Movement that mm-hmm. thought it was a CrossFit gym. And they get in here in three weeks like, hey, so uh, where's the whiteboard? What are we competing against today? Like, what's the weight I should lift? Are mm-hmm. we training for this competition? And everyone in here at my gym is like, what, dude? No, dude, yeah. we're just here to work out so right. we can drink more craft beer on the weekends and have fun. Like, we're not overly... They're like, oh, okay, this isn't what I thought it was. And they cancel and leave. So culture... Mm-hmm. is the key. Community is just the people who happen to make it up in that moment. Sure. But I also think in very big timelines, like gym owners are like, oh my God, should, they're going to be with us for forever. I'm like, no, nah, they're only going to be with you for probably seven years. And they're like, well, that's a really long time. Like, 
No, it's not. Not really. It's like seven you years. You hope ago. your business lasts longer than that. Correct. Seven years is going to be gone in a mm-hmm. fucking second. And you're just a blip on the radar. That's why I hate, and we have it on this wall, and we'll remove it one day. I hate the idea of telling saying that the gym is the best hour of the day. Yeah, I've heard you say I, that before. Want, and what did you rebrand it to? A pillar of their schedule. Pillar. Because yeah. when I think about it, it's like I wake up, I shower, I go or I go to work, I mm-hmm. pick up my kid, I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. These are things that are super important. But I look right. at fitness for some people and a lot of people's. It's like taking a shower. There's some days you don't want to wash your hair. You're like, yeah. oh my God, I don't want to waste yeah. the shower yes. and do it. You I, know? I yes. just did it this morning yes. for the first time in three days. Yeah. And yep. But you know if Especially you don't. Especially because I can wear a hat all the time. Yeah. But yeah. if you don't, you're going to be fucking rank after a few yeah. days. Right. So <laughs> fitness is one of those things where I enjoy it. It's fun. I like the people there. I've got some friends there. I like the instructors and the workouts. But if I miss it because my girlfriends are in from out of town from college and I haven't seen them in two oh, years, good. it's good. But like the people yeah. are like, no, it's my best out. It's literally, I plan. I'm like, really? It's better than when you see your kid hit the ho- game-winning home run. It's better than getting promotion. It's better than an orgasm. Really? It's that fucking really? that good? Right. It's that good of a workout? Right. No. It's just gym owners try to make their gym seem like absolutely every, mm-hmm. it should be everything. And that could, that's where CrossFit got hit with the cult. Okay. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a cult. Uh, I just wanted one that was f- full of more individuals who treated the business as a transaction. Like, I go to Chipotle mm-hmm. three to four days a week. Mm-hmm. Like, I am at, like, they love there's me. There's literally one right down the yes, street from here, too. It's, it's so convenient behind, for you. behind my yeah. condo. Okay. If if I didn't go there for a week, then no. Like, they might call an APB. But um, <laughs> when they when they brought out the, uh, what they just do? It's like rice. It's uh, the cauliflower rice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get upset. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got rid of this and you brought in that? You raised the price on guac? I didn't get upset as a customer because I have a transactional <laughs> I've never thought about that analogy, but I I hear what you're saying. But their gym, yeah. there's clients that are like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean the prices at Burn Boot Camp are going up? You're like, well, that's just how it is. Right. What do you mean you changed this class time? Where did the instructor so-and-so go? Yeah. Like, I don't walk in and be like, where's Chad? He always rolled my burritos <laughs> the best. I want Chad back here. Like, that doesn't happen because it's a transactional relationship. Sure. And so the point about trainers what is your opinion on how to get away from setting up the business so that people are very loyal to said trainer? So as somebody who's a future business owner and there are the people you coach and they're coming to you and they're like, it's not really working out with this trainer, but she trains 30 classes a week and I don't know what to do because I'm afraid that if I fire her, then all my clients are going to leave. So do you let him go? Yeah. So that story you just said works. That, that's a good, if I was arguing with somebody as mm-hmm. to the community versus culture thing, sure. that individual embodied a, a cultural idea. Okay. Those people that follow them were the community and that's how most gyms are. It's what I call the mm-hmm. ancestral start, right? Yeah. You kind of spawned off this right. version of your that's parent company. That's how these franchises have even grown. Correct. So uh, for that individual, you know, you're scared of pissing off a trainer because they're going to move and you're going to lose your thing. Mm-hmm. As a business, you now have to understand, oh, crap, my customers aren't loyal to my brand. They're loyal to my instructors. It's what right. I call the celebrity trainer model. I did yep. an entire expose. I on, always on, say, like, people follow trainers, not gems. Correct, yeah. And yeah. Well, in SoulCycle, I did a whole piece on them with this, is they, they had that same thing. Their mm-hmm. trainers were just complete celebrities, glorified, right. the whole deal. And the, here's the issue with that. The best way to get trainers to understand, you know, to not get too emotional and to see it as a transaction mm-hmm. is to train them, not as trainers, because no offense, like, right. and, every, and I, am, I am in this profession, mm-hmm. to coach 50 people, to coach 24 people. It doesn't take a lot of skill. No, it really it doesn't. doesn't. And it, it's 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 not a high skill labor. And most fitness, it's like, oh my god, no, no. Like, listen, dude, you used to work at Bank of America, yeah. and now you're a fitness professional. It must not have been that fucking hard. No. And <laughs> it, here's the issue: is that the, when you start training people in business, so my mm-hmm. GM is like a mini me. She is. If I died today. Sarah could go ahead and she could run my entire location because okay. she is the business acumen that I do. Right. And by training them in business, 
it doesn't make them more cold. It doesn't make them bad people, but no. it does allow them to be more transactional in a business because the, co- the key with business, this is, this is a truth. Your goal is to make as much money for as little cost as possible right. to generate profit. Now, you can do it ethically, unethically. There's mm-hmm. multiple ways to do this, but that is the goal of business is to drive a profit, and there are certain things you have to do. You might have to cut that coach. You might have to change the schedule. You might have to raise prices. Mm-hmm. And, and there's other things you should do. You should uh, update the paint. You should make the facility really nice. You should right. give cold, you know, tea tree soaked towels, towels at the end of yeah. the workout, whatever the fuck it may be. Sell water bottles. Sell all that. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's one of these things to make trainers less romantic about their relationship with clients, mm-hmm. educate them more in business. And I don't think that will decrease the level of quality coaching that they no. deliver, but it will allow them to have better relationships with their management. And I try to okay. talk, when I talk to corporations on this, you guys need to stop keeping your trainers in the dark with the numbers. Bring them in. Explain how much money it's making. Talk about the challenges That was why I left. Yeah. Because I knew just enough to know what we were making because it affected my salary. Sure. Because I got half, half my paycheck was commission. So I knew that if I worked harder, I drove that number up. But I didn't know what does this expense cost? Yeah. What does this? You like, don't know if the owner had me, a, a $600,000 loan they were right. also paying on to get that no location idea. up and going. Yeah. And if you had just told me that, I bet I would have had a different, different perspective, perspective on why you made decisions you did. And maybe even why like there were days where you were super fucking frustrated and you took it out on me and it had nothing to do with yeah. me. That's again, it just, it was just communication. communication. It is. Yeah. 100,000%. It really is. So how do you at Urban Movement instill that in your coaches? You know, you brought up Sarah. How was that? Did you see that in her as a skill that she kind of had and you just brought it out more and nurtured it or even with Deuce? Like, what does that look like for you? 2011, Isaac comes on as a client. She instantly turns into the first employee Mm -hmm. and she will, she's going to be the head of our operations for licensing. Deuce will be the head of program development and and trainers for the license model. Um, I kept them very, very close. Like they know Mm -hmm. the numbers. They know the numbers better than I do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, Obviously, with me and WTF, I mean, I they they hear it, they consume it. They're they're constantly in a learning phase. I, I incorporate them into the content, um, so they have good business acumen. But also, I'm very very clear that when we grow, when we do things, mm-hmm. we do it as a team. And, I, and, and micro yeah. gyms, right? Like small entities, which is the majority of the gyms out there, are mom and pop entities. They're not large franchises, things mm-hmm. like that you're going to have a small team. You're not going to have a team of 20 people. No. You're going to have a team probably like two to three full-timers. Yep. And then an and everyone else is part-time yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that jazz. And, yeah. and keeping that team super lean, well-paid, there's two things you can do with an employee. You can compensate them and you can fulfill them. That's it. Yeah. So in the beginning, you hire someone in fitness. They love it. Fulfillment's Fulfillment. high. Compensation's low. Right. And then over time... That if that, that compensation mm-hmm. has arise, that fulfillment starts to creep down. down. Yeah, you have bills. You yep, want to get married. 100%. You want to have a yep. kid. The hours you're working. I know you had there. I loved the episode where you talked with the owner of Metabolic about yeah, this. Brandon and Cullen, he, yeah, Brandon He said, "Any advice? Pay early." 100. And I was like, "Totally agree." I agree, a thousand percent. And so then you got to raise compensation up, and then give them some more tasks of fulfillment. And so it's mm-hmm. this constant back and forth gig. But I think the thing that's also realistic is you also have to understand, like right now, I know Isaac and Deuce don't want to be on the training floor forever. Isaac's going on a tenure with me. Mm-hmm. Deuce has been doing this with me for four, and he did five at a gym prior, so he's nine in. Okay. They're pretty much they got the same shelf life of this. Sure. And so uh, us moving to the license model mm-hmm. is very exciting for them for because them. that's a growth opportunity. It's that a gr- they, they get see. to travel. They get right. to be. They get to help business coach. They get to help develop mm-hmm. programs. They like. And that's exactly what I meant when I said 
asked you at the beginning, like, what are the tracks you can take? Because what I saw was only two options. It sure. was keep training as this lead trainer. And there was a carrot that was dangled for five seconds. Oh, we'll eventually yep. give you equity. <laughs> you turn around and cut my salary. Yep. So that was clearly not in the cards. It, and then eventually you could become the owner yeah. and we could like partner or you go franchise this thing yourself. Yeah. There wasn't that like, I was really like, cause I even, I applied in looking to transition a company that I was super interested in was Barry's because it was corporate yeah. and they had the exact type of job that you're describing. I could potentially be like a GM of a region and do more of the op side. And they had very specific positions like a community manager, a marketing manager. And then some of them trained and some of them didn't, but there was no clear path to, and there was not only was there no clear path that even doesn't matter. There was no one allowing me to say, Hey, I like these things and I also happen to be really good at this administrative yep. work. Like I'm pretty good at social media. Let me help you. It was like, oh, you're good at social media. Perfect. You're going to train 40 classes and then whatever seven minutes you have in between, you're also going to do social media. And it's like, well, how long am I going to do that for? Yeah. So how have you kind of cultivated the culture from, forget the culture with your clients, the culture with your staff to where, let's say, you know, your two top employees have felt comfortable to come to you because I'm sure they feel comfortable coming to you and being like, hey, I'm like really burnt out right now. I've been training too many classes or like I got this personal thing going on and I need your help. Yeah. I, Cause I, mean, I don't think a lot of people have that type of communication sometimes with their bosses. And that's not specific to gyms, even sure. in a corporate job. The, that's like a human problem. It's, it's one it's constant communication. So even as an owner, when I stopped working in the business in mm -hmm. around 2015, yeah. I'm doing all WTF. Right. I'm, I'm still there. I hold an office. Uh, we have conversations and it's mm -hmm. also one of those things. There's once you start making content, like I did with WTF, there's a pressure. Now you got to walk the talk sure you know so there was always that that even there might have been moments that i might have been a bad leader and owner would be like man I, re I really, I really haven't podcast, checked like in on isaac in a that. while hey let's go yeah. let's mm -hmm. sit down and have a meeting that sure. kind of scenario okay um but also i've traveled the route i've been a technician yep. i i know what mm -hmm. the ascension of desire of income and yep. work-life balance looks like and that's happened to me so i, I mean I'm, I'm easily able to be, know where probably their goal is sure. next and I'm able to without them bringing correct. It and, and I'm able to present to them, Hey, you know, and it's also a history of, of doing well. Hey, Isaac, mm -hmm. I need you to come work for me in this Sheila 1800 square foot gym, but guess what? I'm going to turn it into a bigger gym. And I did that. I checked the box mm -hmm. and I'm like, Hey, we really need to work our ass off. Cause I'm going to save up a ton of money. I'm going to buy a building here in Charlotte and I'm going to create a brand new model that everyone's going to make fun of us for, but I think it's going to work. And then did that. And oh, by the way, not only is it going to work, I'm going to get other people to pay us every to single year too. to do it too. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then that's going to work. So it's a history of also not only putting in the work. You delivered on the promises delivering of promises, the vision. And there's wins and losses in yeah. there. I had it's ideas. It's not like perfect. Correct. I had wins and losses in there, but I think it's a history of doing that and then making sure the team always feels that they have equity and ownership and say in the business. And once you truly become mm -hmm. removed like I am in the business, I, I write the final check. I co-sign the final you know um, decision. Yeah. I'd tell you they probably win seven times out of 10. Mm -hmm. Like when there's a decision to be made and we're like at a two of them versus me. Yeah. They you're win. Like, right. They, I'm like, all right, you guys know this better. You're sure. In like you're in it the day to day. So Correct. I trust you. Uh -huh. And I mean, I also think that probably adds to the relationship with the fact that that open communication, you all have this kind of like mutual understanding that if they have a decision to make, they don't need to go run and ask you and be like, yeah. hey, Stu, is this okay? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that is a mess. It is. Yeah, I think that open line of communication is really big. And then the other thing, too, is having journeymen, people who have 
traveled and you've progressed them already. Like if you've got someone who's been a coach and they've only been a coach for seven years and you've never even had the discussion or romanticized the discussion of them mm-hmm. being something more than that, that person's going to start thinking of another job or thinking they can do it better than you, which is ultimately. Right. So um, that's always been the thing is is making a very wide open conversation. What's your compensation like? Do you need to make more? Deuce just got engaged. The guy needs to make more. Isaac just had a kid. She needs to make sure. more. You know, uh, what do you enjoy doing? I like, hey, what part of your job would you X off? Would you take off the list? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm able to take care of that for them and take sometimes it off the list and outsource yeah. it to something else. Sure. And sometimes you can't. Um, but that That's the nature of it. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it is very difficult. HR for every successful business is always the most difficult department because mm-hmm. humans are the most complex things to manage. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So how do all of those considerations with communication mm-hmm. and what you've learned over the years about business have factored into your decision to decide to follow a licensing model instead of something like a franchise? Why didn't you f- decide to franchise Urban Movement? I bought this building because it was a great commercial investment property. Mm-hmm. It's not a great building for fitness for my model. My model is okay. 3,500 square feet. It's, it's, it's very large. It's very large. Yeah. I got a coffee shop in here. Right. I sublease all this extra space mm-hmm. so I can make money on the rent. Was model. that always your plan when you bought this place? I bought it because it was on a corner lot uh, connected to South Boulevard and Tryon, right. which here and, in Charlotte was And just, also give everybody context at the time you bought it, there was fucking nothing here. Yeah, was, and now there's end. how yeah. many townhomes yeah. next door it's, to you that so, are like what, going for 500K? Yeah. This gym will not exist here yeah. forever. I will right. lease this building out to a brewery or some other, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck they want to lease it for. And that'll be a great um, uh, business in itself with my commercial real estate. And then the goal was to always replicate Urban because okay. I truly believe it's a great white space model like Metabolic that plays in the yeah. middle of Cardio Boutique and CrossFit. Totally. Franchising was what we were going to do pre-COVID. Okay. And so we went, we are 49% through really? that route. And so then, if COVID hadn't happened. I think so. Because I think okay. I then could have commanded the price point that we would have needed, call it $245,000, which is what we maybe would have charged. In this world, in this era, I don't You're think so. And I don't, I don't want to wait three years for it to correct. Sure. So I go to the license model. We've already done all the legwork. We have all these things available mm-hmm. we're going to give to the li- of the franchisees. So fuck it. I'm going to give it to them. Look at what CrossFit is. CrossFit is 16,000 licenses across the world. And with a license model, it's very delicate here in the United States. You cannot have a continued business relationship as far as telling them what to do after okay. the license. So like Calvin Klein's a license. Walt Disney's a license. Any Anyone who's listening to this, mm-hmm. if you bought Calvin Klein, you did not buy it from Calvin Klein. You bought it from a manufacturer who licenses the Calvin yeah. Klein name. Mm-hmm. So I will be providing business systems, marketing solutions, all these things. I cannot but force them to do it. But it's up to them to use it how they want. So there's a give how and take. How does that make you feel? Great. I, I, for a, I know what you're about to say. Yeah, for a minute, like, it butt hurt me. Like, yeah, like, what were you worried about control? No. Yeah. I, Why? Again, because of that ability to zoom out and yeah. realize at the end of the day, if someone Look does- Look what CrossFit the, did. Yeah. If, if, it, if they do it a little bit differently than the way I would have, if I have 20 licensees, there's 20 collective brains, they're mm-hmm. probably going to actually come up with something a little bit better. And as long sure. as, again, I listen with them, I have open communication, they might have the version 2.0 of my thing that's okay. way better than my own. So it's like zooming out. Now- on, you know, this first generation of licensees, we have a, a you know, a cowboy that goes to town on it. And it doesn't work out. We just take the license away and we be like, right. hey, we, we got to pick that better. that person will, like the numbers aren't going to lie. So if they try to do something crazy and it doesn't fucking work, they're not going to make any money. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I don't believe in IP. I have like uh, the amount of cease and desist we have to send because there's urban movements that have popped up, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the, with what WTF does with putting out the content, people steal it. Like we have gyms that literally we find and we make these videos and we we rip them apart. We send the cease and desist, and it's our exact website, our exact class names. I've seen you I mean, post like, that yeah. before. It's crazy. I, I just, you know, and um, 
so I'm not afraid of like people stealing ideas because when someone steals your idea, it that means, means it was good. It well not yeah. only means it was good. It means that I'm so far ahead of you. You're just trying to catch, catch up because you're you're point. stealing an idea mm-hmm. I had in 1.0, bro. I'm already on 3.0, and I just haven't even advertised it yet. Yeah, and so you, I'll yeah, just you, wait until you you're steal just that. Constantly having to wait for me to like spoon up. feed you, mm-hmm. um, which means you'll, you're never going to win by default. And the other thing too is, especially in my world, no CrossFit gym. Like I've had CrossFit gyms try stealing this idea, okay, and almost go out of business because they're like. Everybody hated it. I'm like, yeah, because you have CrossFit clients. Did you right. miss that chapter I talked about where I lost <laughs> 40, 50 clients overnight right. Right. and I had to bleed all those people for yeah. three years and I had them not go profitless for mm-hmm. quarters on end? You missed that chapter. You thought he just, you know, just take, woke up one take the vowels out of movement and hang a bunch right. of rings and do all this and you're going to make all this money? No, bro. That's not how it works. So, like, there's those fun cautionary tales you can do as well. But, um, no, I'm not worried about people bastardizing it. Uh, I'm looking forward to go traveling, uh, take my daughter somewhere, go skiing or something and be like, hey, we can go there because there's hey, daddy's, There's an urban movement right. there. That was daddy's idea. Yeah. You know, it's not my business. I don't own that business. Mm-hmm. They just pay to be a part of the club. Um, but uh, I, I think that'll be a really cool moment. And from the flip side, when people are contacting you, potentially, uh, you know, they're doing these applications, they're considering licensing. I would imagine they're also looking at other opportunities such as a franchise. Correct. What is your pitch on why as the benefit of them yeah. becoming in a licensing model versus being a franchisee. They're getting all the support that a franchise would because this was meant to be a franchise, mm-hmm. but at $12,000 a year, the price of a license versus, right. you know, if they want to do a, a metabolic or a whatever, sure. you're talking $275,000. Right. So you're getting all support of it because I put in all the work. I just don't okay. believe that my brand can command that price point in this current state of the world. Okay. So I'm doing it at a license model. I'm going volume, kind of like mm-hmm. a burn boot camp. You, like guys, how that, you guys don't charge $300 right. a month like no. CrossFit gyms. And you know why? It's because they have those six-week challenges where we had goals that we tried to hit to sell like 250 of those in the month of January. Our, our like, that month alone, the gross profit could have been two times any other month out of the year because we were selling a couple hundred of these, like, $99 deals hoping to convert at least it was like you know you want to you hope that if you could convert anywhere between 20 and 30 percent of those into a membership you're pretty yeah. good so we'll get we're going volume with the license model twelve thousand dollars a year will be the f- price point for the first generation mm-hmm. of licensees okay. it will do go they up. have to pay any kind of additional monthly royalties or no like that? they can pay it they can pay it in full okay and if they do it monthly though there's a it's finance a, charge sure. they'll be paying a little bit sure. extra it'll come out to they mm-hmm. paid fourteen thousand dollars over 12 months okay um but that, that's essentially it. The only thing additional they can pay for if they want individual business coaching, because again, Urban mm-hmm. Movement cannot coach them on business. Right. They can contract with WTF. Did and you have that idea when you were creating WTF? Um, me and Joe talk about it that did I create CrossFit South End so that I could then create WTF because right. having a successful gym gave me credibility. Mm-hmm. And then did I create WTF to get all these attention of these gym owners across the world so that I could create our movement and then have a, like, I'd, 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 love, to, I'd love to say that that, wish, that, that, that entire yeah. thought process, um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things like you get with Joe and <laughs> you smoke you a few, like you, you get a little high and you start questions. pondering. Yes, I yes, know. 100%. Every time I've had him on the phone or in person, we like I did a podcast with him and it the conversation went in a direction like I freestyle, but yeah. this was the most freestyle of freestyles because I didn't expect it to yeah. go that route. And it wasn't like neither of us, 
it wasn't a situation where neither of us had like command of the sure. conversation. It just was like that ping pong and then yeah. we went down this crazy road yeah. for like 10 it's minutes. It's just the evolution. If you do yeah. a business really well, the next evolution uh, that another a ne- a possible mm-hmm. is selling your experience, which is just simply consulting. Sure. And then when you've created that consulting, now you have a reputation of this guy does know what he's talking about across multiple different businesses. If your model is still working, that's the other thing. You tell a lot of charlatans that their gym failed and they're like, oh, well, I'm a business consultant. Now I sold my gym because uh, it was no, my, nobody sells a gym right. if it's doing real. It's passive. Like it's revenue. It would have become in. passive income. You would have moved. Yeah. It's like never really pa- yeah. It's not fully. Yeah. Right. It's, it's never, never fully passive, passive but if it's you're like, doing well. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I haven't worked in or in my gym since 2015 and I'd still collect a check every month. There's no right. way I'm turning around that check to sell it to some guy. Like it just wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's good. You replicate it, but you got to, you know, and if you want other gym owners to buy it, you have to get their attention. So how do you do that? You do it by creating media. You create the sure. WTF Gym Talk Show. You create the podcast. You do all that stuff for since 2015. So now we're talking six years of doing that. And now there's an audience. And now I throw it out there. We have 40 mm-hmm. cities apply. Right. So it's like very much in line with the whole idea. And this was something that I learned by working at Burn that it was a huge value from the CEO's perspective. We're not a gym. We're not a fitness franchise. We're a media company. Yeah. 100%. Totally. It just happens to sell fitness. Yeah. Like that's that's like the product. It just happens to be in this industry. Could have done it with brownies. More consumable and it costs less to make. Mm-hmm. So what do you, when you, I think the biggest question I have in thinking about all the different day-to-day work that you do, and you know, you've it's very apparent that you have the team in place that you're not in a situation where you have to constantly put out fires that sure. would happen in the middle of urban movement. Um, you know, COVID could be a great example. Sure. I would imagine you got a little more involved when all of that happened and you guys I had to start making I decisions. Start, I, so, I fired the cleaning company. Okay. I've, I've what did put, you do? Uh, yeah, we, we, we took our entire staff down to just those two. Okay. That's it. I mean, we had trainers outside of them. I sure. had cleaning, I had cleaning crew mm-hmm. gone. Um, we pivoted really quick. You know, fortunately, WTF has uh, skill, given me a skill set of, you know, we have camera gear and all this stuff. So we turned on the digital really quick. Our, right. fr- our mutual friend Joe mm-hmm. turned out that amazing app in studio. So we literally lost 4% of people in COVID. I think actually 3%. Like 3% of membership we lost. We rented out our equipment. And... We were not really hurt by COVID. I can't get PPP money this year because I didn't have a do- I didn't have a bad quarter last year. Right. I didn't have a, a quarter worse than the previous mm-hmm. year. So there's no PPP money coming, which is a good thing to have. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, you know, we were able to pivot really quick there. The team went away, and but here's the thing though: when you don't have a lot of resources, you learn to be really fucking resourceful. Right. I'm not hiring anyone back. Because you, you've proven to yourselves now, like, we can do this with the three and, of us. Correct. And with our mm-hmm. license model, like, again, I think I've said this before, this gym will not be here in some period of time. Mm-hmm. I will lease this thing out to a sure. fucking whoever it's going to be, and me and my team are just going to run and manage a license model. And um, and, and that realization, that's super hard because I've only been a gym owner for, like, t- the past 10 years. Right. Uh, but that, But zooming out... That is the true and strongest business decision we could make at this at this moment in time, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if it's happening this year or next year or when that's going to happen. But it's definitely well, a lot of that has to be predicated on when you sell the building, right? Well, that's the thing. I won't sell it. I'll oh, lease, you're lease the, it. Yeah, okay, lease you it out. You know, okay. I bought this at nine bucks mm-hmm. a square foot. I re- yeah. I rent it for myself at thirteen, and right okay. now I could get twenty five to twenty seven. I honestly think you could just on the research that I've yeah. I'm doing for where I'm looking. I bet you could push 30. It's, it, it, and it's, a, you know, 
so that's again, it's like, well, it'd be silly. Like I've got people like, whoa, 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 you you're gonna consult people on owning a gym, but you don't have a gym. Like, no, no, fuck face. If you don't remember, <laughs> I was in a I was in a park, and then yeah. I grew into a building, and then to bigger building two, and then the right. bigger that's building three. That's why I said, you know, your trajectory was almost clear in some yeah. ways because there was it was like a very like linear stepping stone yeah. from like this environment to a little bigger to a little bigger to this and now the offshoots of something like WTF yeah and that you know even Tony Romo retires and he he's an analyst even you know you know professional athletes retire and they coach Mm -hmm. like that that thing is real right because to be in the fitness industry you truly have to want to love a five to nine kids not nine to five a 5 a.m to 9 p.m gig and it there's a certain age where that's just not applicable right but there is a young 20 something in Columbus Ohio who wants Mm -hmm. an urban movement license and he cannot wait to hear his bay doors roll up every day at 4 a.m. in the morning and crank right. on that music and coach people. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully we have something in line where uh, we've created a, a success model where a licensee can have an urban movement license, then they get the entire city. Like they get the rights of urban movement okay. licensees in the entire city. Okay. So, so they could put, they, that doesn't mean they have to go open physical gyms. They could oversee the people who do. Cor- correct. So they okay. could come in and be like, oh my God, Stu, I did it. I made this gym work. I'm mm-hmm. like, cool. Well, if we've made it work based on our systems and the way you've tweaked them for your model, you now can open up a second license and you can be the owner of that license and just finance it. Okay. And then you could hire the staff in and it's essentially like, um, it, it kind of looks kind of pyramidy in a way, but it, it would essentially be like self-franchising your own thing because sure. it's a low cost mm-hmm. to get started. That's why CrossFit Gyms popped up. It was $3,000 a year. Right. A year. Right. You no, guys, that makes a lot boop, of sense. I, I spend that in marketing on Facebook mm-hmm. per month. Right. Exactly. No, it makes a ton of sense. Whereas you're looking at a potential franchise opportunity where just to even sign the franchise fees could be 30K minimum. And then you got to show all your assets. Yes, correct. Yeah. You got to have your FDD docs. It's a a whole fucking process. And, um, but I think also the other thing too is uh, franchises are tough. There's three ways. You you franchise, you license, or you corporately own. Mm-hmm. So a company like What do you uh, think about corporate ownership? So like a Berries. Like uh, a Berries or an Alchemy 365. Mm-hmm. It's just very high risk. You're going to have to have partners. You have to have very deep pockets. Right. Because like look at Berries is, is not Berries. It's a private equity firm. Correct. Yeah. So there's location one and location one does great. So you want to open location two. Mm-hmm. You need to have fresh money for location two. Otherwise you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yep. And then that fucks location one. And I've seen that. That's what I saw in yeah. my experience as the people I worked with grew and I'm even seeing that now, you know, I, I have a business model for what I'm trying to build and it has a pro forma that literally gives me, this is the cost it's going to take to open number one. And then guess what? If you want to borrow from number one to open number two, raise double. Correct. So uh, then your EBITDA doesn't go up. No. By the same scale. Correct. So then you're like, wow, that's a big investment. Yeah, that's an acquisition model. Like, again, right. you do a bunch of berries, exactly. and then the Equinox uh, mm-hmm. private equity buys you, right? Or something right. like that. Or, uh, you know, an exponential buys you or whatever. Yep. So there's that. And then there's the franchise route, which is FDD-based and, uh, you know, regulated by the FTC and very expensive. Then you have the license model, which I believe is going to be more popular because I believe there's a micro gym in Montana that nobody's ever heard of that's actually got mm-hmm. a great killer business model. And if that individual can create- some, like, support, and it, right? Well, and if he could create, if he can create a big enough following okay. and have that next client. It gives him the opportunity open, to scale yes. that he doesn't have On otherwise. other people's money right. without his own. He doesn't have to do corporate owned shops. He sure. doesn't have to take private equity mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to go down the obnoxious franchise route, which is really tough. Like 
yeah, I've talked with Brandon Cullen about this. Franchising, I bet you F45 when it first started in Australia was a badass fucking workout, but the nature of scaling and franchising has made it, no offense, this fucking pussy yeah. ass workout. Yeah. So moving into, you know, with COVID and the fact that you said that really drove the transition from franchise to licensing, how do you see COVID? We touched on studio super yeah. briefly. Let's talk about virtual fitness. Um, yeah. I So one thing I'm really careful on here is not to play Nostradamus. I look yeah, at it much like- you don't know. Yeah. I look at it just- I, I just take notes from other industries and in, in mm-hmm. history. Arcades are really popular. Arcades had all the same elements. They were social. There was reward. You got enough tokens. You got a prize at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you went there with your friends. It was affordable. And then malls, always, every mall had an arcade. And if you're a product of, yeah. like, I'm an elder millennial, 1985, you, were, you remember this. And then video games came out. But when video games came out, that didn't kill arcades. It's when video games went online and you could play with your friends online. That's what killed then, arcades. Like, the interaction got correct repeat, or duplicated. Like why have to go to the mall, which is kind of annoying. You have, have to get dropped off, drop you you, off, whatever. When 14. you just be there in your yeah. pajama pants and do it. So <laughs> I, I do. I think there will be a, digital's not going anywhere. It will only increase. Brick and mortar is also not going anywhere. It will change. It will look hybrid. There will every gym will need to have a little bit of both. Um, I don't know what that mix looks like uh, yet, but it just it's being super in tune with everything that's coming out, mm-hmm. everyone that's doing everything, touching and tasting and trying it. Try your Pelotons, try your mirrors, try your see tonals, what they're doing. See yeah. what they're doing. Experience the apps and, and just be a practitioner in it. Taste test everything and it will mm-hmm. give you a much better idea so that when you are talking out your ass, which is what guessing is, and yeah. pre- predicting, you're probably slightly more likely to, to hopefully get it right. All right, we're going to move into a lightning round. We could talk forever. And we'll have to have you back Hit on it. the show. But 75 seconds of your time. Quick questions. If you want to dive a little deeper on something, you have the floor. Okay. Best business book you've ever read. You got a lot sitting in here. Yeah, so it'll be one. Primal Branding or uh, Company of One by Paul Jarvis. Okay. What do you think is the toughest lesson that you've learned in of all the jobs you've had. Who you were and the reputation you built when you've found success is not who you're going to be, and you have to learn to shed that. I am Stu Brower, the, the gym owner in Charlotte. I go into a bar. People like, oh, he owns CrossFit South End, Urban Movement. Mm-hmm. I won't always be that. And that fear of switching industries, going into commercial real estate, going into licensing, not having a gym, who you are now is not who you're going to be in the future. You're inventing a new version. If you're constantly that one same guy over and over, that's a problem. And that was a big fear of an identity crisis and issue I, I had this past year. How'd you get over that? Or do you, are you still working through I'm, it? I'm working through I'm way better about it now. I, I was, again, it was just, I was too zoomed in mm-hmm. about what people would think about me if I got rid of the gym and I did the real estate thing. And right. so it's zooming out. Um, but no, very, very excited to create a, a new version, a new chapter. Where do you see, you know, we talked briefly about your long form content. Where is that going to live? YouTube? Like, uh, yeah. I don't think you're g- trying to go like be Joe Rogan with it. No, no. What are you be, trying to go for? It's What's actually, the goal? It's, it's going to be a three-camera setup. It's okay. going to be two and a half, three hours. It will be on-site at people's homes, their houses, their gyms. I'm traveling cool. all, I'm traveling all over. Um, and it will be uh, a YouTube-based form with five to ten mini clips, very similar to how okay. he does with GRE clips. A lot of B-roll and that sort of thing, uh, too, nope, with, like, voiceovers, just or just, just literally, Just, like, like whatever topic specific, yeah. So okay. carve out six minutes of a cool riff that we had back and forth and okay. throw a catchy clickbaity title on it and, boom, ship that video okay. to increase the viewership on it. Sure. Um, and then it'll So be you'll repackage for social to make it shorter yeah. and then kick them over to the long form if they want to watch. Yep, on, on Anchor or YouTube, yeah. Okay. What do you think... In looking at something like the way people are now taking their podcasts onto YouTube, yeah, 
you kind of did the opposite first yeah. because you started with video and then people were like, oh, I listened to it. Yeah. And you're like, well, fuck. Yep. Do you think because of the Joe Rogans of the world, people are going to move to YouTube and I make think they this? Will. Okay. Yeah, because it just, again, it's one, If you especially if you go long form, yeah, you either yeah. have one or even short form, you either have that one opportunity for someone to listen, mm-hmm. listen on, on their podcast audibly or you can cut in the clips and now they have a cut to catch it and then it just says, hey, a clip from my recent podcast, and then someone thinks to go get it. So, yes, it's just uh, machine gun, more bullets, more at-bats. If you could do whatever you wanted for the rest of your life, didn't matter how much money you had, anything, what would it be? Like, you didn't have to pay bills, like, perfect world. Yeah, I, I would still make videos. It'd probably just hover around uh, more of my interests, like uh, street photography, electric motorcycles, my kid. Um, it wouldn't even be, no, it wouldn't be about fitness. Yeah, whatever my, like, I always have these, like, core, or I have these, like, two to three year long obsessions on okay. things. Whatever that current one okay. is, I'd make fun content and videos. Just keep rotating. Yeah, around. I love hitting the record button. I love hitting the upload button. I like making videos and content. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, it'd just be whatever my current uh, passion project was at the time. What do you hope your daughter learns in being a part of you doing this? Because you did mention that you want to be able to, like, travel with her and be like, hey, look, we can go here. Yeah. What, what do you hope she takes away from that? Uh, that work-life balance is a fucking sham. There, there really is there, – there is always a work-life balance, but it, you stop caring about it as much when – um, you truly love the work you do mm-hmm. and you truly go all in. So uh, I hope that one thing she looks back on is that you can work really hard, you can make money and you can pursue your passion, all that, and still be a great parent. You cannot be around for dance recitals and miss a couple t-ball games and not get to pick her up from school and still be a great dad. Um, you know, you got, you know, I had uh, a mom that was never around. She was a single parent and she had she to do st- what she had to do. To she help. had to do what she had yeah. to do. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, I hope she, she learns that and that, uh, you know, whatever you're in, be a hundred percent into that thing. And then when you have something else in your life that requires attention, be a hundred percent. in. when I'm with my kid, there's not a phone in my hand. When I'm at work, I'm not thinking of her mm-hmm. and not like in that moment. If it's like, right. Hey, oh, fuck, I should right. be at the t-ball game right now. Like, yeah. no, I have this thing I have to do. That has to get done, and I just draw the line and separate it, and a lot of people hate that concept. Um, but, yeah, does that just be all in on that one thing and um, and do do what it is that makes you happy because you can go to your kid's t-ball game and fucking hate the fact that you missed the option for that work opportunity, mm-hmm. which is going to be your legacy, and right. now you resent your fucking kid and your wife for making you yeah. go to the t-ball game. Yeah, because you felt like it was what you had to do. Do what to you want to do role. when you want to do it and create the opportunity to do so. So what advice do you have for someone who, as you said earlier, there's lots of people who are passionate about something and they think that's enough Mm -hmm. to drive them to do it as a business. How would you talk someone through being able to identify the difference? Passion is like you met a chick or a guy and you're like in that puppy dog love period and you're all about Mm -hmm. that. Go live with them for a month and a half. So like I was passionate about fitness and I was like, so I went Globo Gym (laughs) and I instantly realized, oh shit, this isn't the same. Like I'm working my dick off Mm -hmm. and this is commission and sales and hiring and firing and budgets and marketing. It's like, do you (sighs) like that stuff? Correct. Yeah. Like if you really like, uh, like this is how I do interviews. If I if I'm gonna interview you, mm-hmm. I might put you in the car. We go for a four hour car ride. I might take you to the bar, and make you watch a Browns game with me for fucking three and a half hours. Like put yourself in a position to see the dark side of the industry you're looking to get in, the job you're looking to get in. Go work for someone for free and ask them. I just want to see mm-hmm. what's behind the curtain. I don't. I, I see. I like go trainer and I'm gonna be in shape and I have Instagram and go see what that shit looks like behind yeah. the curtain. I, I heard you say this on another episode and it it made me feel a lot better because I was feeling some guilt recently of like not practicing what I preach 
because I'm so busy building what I want to build that my own fitness has gone like yeah. not out the window, but I don't look how I want to look. Yeah. And Joe said it to me best. He was like, so, and someone said this to him. He was like, the person told me that you have your body is the body you need it to be in the season that you're in. Sure. And I thought that was really great advice that I've then given to other clients who are like struggling with weight loss or whatever. But what do you say to somebody who is like, and I've heard you talk about, hey, go be an athlete instead. What do you say to someone who's like, I really want to be in, I really want to pursue this and I know what it takes and I have what it takes. To, I believe that I have what it takes to do this. If my back's against the wall, I'm going to fucking get it done. But there's like that part of them that they're like, I still need to go train for this marathon or whatever. Then, then work in the industry. Don't own a business. Because if you're a trainer, you can still do that. Sure. It, don't, yeah, it, when I was a trainer, I was in the best shape ever. And right a now, I'm owner, not. The, the early stages of your career, you'll be the least fit you'll ever be. Mm-hmm. You know, just because unless you're bankrolled, you, you're going to have to wear all the hats. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, are you an owner or are you an athlete? Like, what is it you want to mm-hmm. be? And if you really want to be an athlete, if you like, I love working out. There are careers right now you can go on Instagram and talk about working out and work out and look really good naked and give tips for free and Mm -hmm. develop a following and then create a coaching business. Go do that instead. Totally. So true. And last but not least, what do you think? And I know, you know, we've talked about studio before. We didn't really talk a ton about the virtual aspect on this episode, but you've talked about and even promoting studio, like forget Zapier, forget this, not the other thing. Of all the different tools that you use as a business owner, like looking at the systems that you have in place, and it's hard, right? Because there's always like a shiny new tool that comes yeah. in like Slack, and then yep, yep. now there's this new thing, ClickUp, and yep. then whatever. What do you think in looking at all of the things you do use today, what's your favorite way to stay organized? Like maybe it's, and maybe it's yeah. just like a fucking to-do so list on paper. the CRM we have, Flex, is our mm-hmm. number one for our consumer-facing um, and then we're currently using internally monday.com right now, which yeah, is Project Man. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's the best. So internal, it's Monday. Consumer facing and external, it's our Flex CRM. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to see your growth with the licensing model. And well, I thank got you very much. so much valuable information from this today. So if we need to get in touch with you, tell us where we can find you. Any, and I will link all of it down yeah, in the Yeah, just notes. anywhere on the YouTubes, on the Facebooks, Instagrams, LinkedIn's of the world, WTF Gym Talk. That handle was it not taken. So uh, pretty much you just put Good that Good thing in, you picked it up put that, when you did. Put that into the internet, kids, and you'll you'll find it. I won't lie. For a while, I didn't even know your name because, yeah. like, I recognized you as that. Yeah. So you're doing something right, right? <laughs> That's your brand. Yep. It's literally you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. As you guys know, if you appreciated this message and there was so much value in here for someone who's a business owner, you don't have to be in the fitness industry. I think you can still learn a lot from what uh, Sue and I talked about today and really learning how to look at the big picture, I think is the takeaway that I got from the conversation. It can be tough to do. And I appreciate that you were honest about that. So share the episode with a friend, somebody, grandma, sister, cousin, whoever it is, leave a review. We also do appreciate those, but sharing it is most important to get the podcast out there. And be sure to check out Stu's episodes. I think I referenced them like 10 times throughout the conversation because I learn a lot just from listening to you and absorbing other people's content for my own business ideas. Hope you guys have a wonderful day from wherever you're listening from. This has been The Fix and we will catch you next time. Thank you.